Today we finish our series uh, in the book of Jonah. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 4 today. It's been one chapter a week, and today is Jonah chapter 4. Next week we're going to start a series in the Lord's Prayer, and, and talking about prayer as a whole, uh, and I, I'll get into that more next week, but wanted to let you know where we're going. Before then we finish the book of Jonah. And in, chapters, in chapter 4, Jonah's anger is on display for everyone to see. He is not a happy person. He's enraged. Many times anger is not only noticeable to you, but also to those around you. And we see that in Jonah chapter 4 as we read of Jonah. Jonah wasn't only angry, but God saw his anger. And God asks him multiple times, and we'll get to it here in a minute, but almost. Is there any benefit to you being angry right now? Is it worth it? A young mother and her little boy were driving down the street, and the little boy asked, Mom, why do... See, when, when I, in the, I grew up in Bolivia, and in Bolivia, one of the biggest insults that people would yell out the window to each other was they would call each other donkey. That's it. Donkey. Burro is what they would say. Burro. It's not an inappropriate word. It's just donkey. And he says, Mom, why do the burros only come out driving when Dad's driving? <laughs> and it's because anger is not only noticeable to you, but also to the people around you. But let's start in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. Verse 10 says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster he would do to them, and he did not do it. And if we go back, we think of Jonah chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. God is trying to give the Ninevites one more chance, 40 days, to turn from their evil ways and turn to God. Jonah wants nothing to do with it. Jonah's called to carry the message. This is a quick summary. If you haven't read the book of Jonah, please do so. The Ninevites turn from their wicked ways. They turn to God. They begin to repent. They realize their sinfulness. And God relents. God does not bring the disaster that was going to be brought to them in 40 days. And that's where we pick up Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 3 is all about God's great mercy. And it's hard to get away from Jonah's anger in chapter 4. Verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Let's start out the chapter by just understanding that Jonah is angry. Angry at what? What is he so upset about? Why didn't he want to follow with what God was doing there? Why didn't he just say, okay, God, I know what you're doing. I, I believe in it. Here we go. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Here we are given Jonah's true reason for not wanting to go to Nineveh. It's not that he was scared of the Ninevites. It's not that he didn't really appreciate the food that they had there, or he, he just didn't. It's that he hated them so much in his heart. There was so much anger in his heart toward the Ninevites that he couldn't even bring himself to the place of carrying a message of hope and hoping that they might turn from their wicked ways. 
because, because Jonah realizes right here, listen, I, I, I understand God. You are, look at, look at what he lists of God. You're gracious. That's good, right? You're merciful. That's good, right? You're slow to anger. That's good, right? You're abounding in steadfast love. That's good, right? You're relenting from disaster. Well, Jonah surely didn't obey God all the time. But Jonah knew all of these things. And he knew that if he carried the message of hope to Nineveh, there was the possibility, maybe remote possibility in his mind, but there was a possibility that the Ninevites, the Assyrians, would turn from their wicked ways and that God would spare them. And he couldn't fathom that. He couldn't fathom being the messenger carrying that. We see in the very beginning of Jonah chapter 4, and it gives context, helps us understand the rest of the book. That Jonah had no interest in the people of Nineveh being shown mercy. God doesn't even want them to know that, Jonah doesn't even want the Assyrians to know that God could relent of the disaster that was coming. Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. Uh, says this, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turn from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. I meant to mention this verse last week and we just moved right past it. God says, listen, if, if I'm going to bring disaster on a nation and this nation turns from its wicked ways, I will relent. Jonah says, wait a minute, <laughs> you mean if I go to these people over here? God, you must not know how wicked they really are, how evil they really are. The things that they do, the things that they've said, the people that they've hurt, the lives that they've taken, you must not know. But I'm not even going to risk it. See, in, in Jonah's mind, the people of Nineveh were completely undeserving of any type of opportunity for mercy. The ironic thing is that the people of Nineveh deserved just as much mercy as Jonah did. None. Right? In all reality, none of us deserve God's mercy. Yet Jonah looked at it a little bit differently. See, to the average Israelite, the people of Nineveh, that's, that's, a, that's a people that, that's put aside for, for God's wrath. Right? I mean, they're, they're just so wicked, they're so evil, I can never imagine God sparing them. But Jonah wasn't the average Israelite. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah knew a lot. It's obvious that Jonah and God had conversation. Jonah knew that God could relent and God could spare them. He wanted nothing to do with it. Verse 3, Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. God, I'm so angry. Kill me. I'm done. Do you think Jonah jumped off the ship because he wanted to spare the lives of the sailors? I think Jonah jumped off the ship because he was done. I don't want anything to do with these people. I don't want any mercy shown. That's how much anger exists in the heart of this man toward what God is doing. I think there's enough evidence to show that when Jonah jumped off the ship, was thrown off the ship, maybe it was to show mercy for the sailors, but he wanted nothing to do with this. He would rather his life end than carry a message of hope. Anger is a dangerous thing. Scripture warns us again and again and again and again about anger. About unrighteous anger. 
But there's also something called righteous anger. And let me, let me share with you what the author of Got Questions, I, I appreciate his website, but what he says about righteous anger, because Jonah's anger is completely unrighteous. It is horrible. It's selfish anger. Yet, I think when I look at the character of Jonah throughout all four chapters, we were talking about this at, uh, I got to go to one of the small groups last week, and, and it's amazing how hard we can be on Jonah, but how many times in our lives do we see ourselves in Jonah when we study the story? When God tells us to do something and we don't do it, or, or maybe God wants to be merciful to someone, but we just really don't like him, and we don't want to show that same mercy. Bear with me. Righteous anger. The author of God questions, we can know for sure that our anger or indignation is righteous when it's directed toward what angers God himself. Righteous anger and indignation are justly expressed when we are confronted with sin. Good examples would be anger toward child abuse, pornography, racism, homosexuality activity, abortion, and the like. It gives a very clear summary of the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. We know there's unrighteous anger, but scripture warns us about times when anger isn't righteous. James 1, 19 to 20, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. There is an anger that's not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, make no friendship with a man given to anger. That's a pretty strong statement. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. The Bible warns us again and again and again about having an angry heart. And in verse 4, God says to Jonah, do you do well to be angry? title of the sermon today is Angry Much. Right? It's almost like God looks at Jonah and you're like, Angry Much? What's going on, man? Is this benefiting you at all? Is this good for you? Is this good for anybody? We live in an angry society today. Are you an angry person? And just as many sin issues that exist today, these sin issues existed a long, long time ago. Anger's not new. Maybe it's highlighted a little bit more with things like social media. Maybe we're more aware of it now because of the way that the news functions and, and all of the things like that. But I, I do think social media is a great example. While there are some tremendous things about social media, right, being able to be connected and things like that, I'm mostly convinced that social media, while it isn't the heart of the problem, doesn't do much more than contribute to anger, divisiveness, and a complaining spirit in our society. Well, you might think, well, Tony, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I'm a, I, I love social media. You know, I'm on all the time, and I write people here, and I talk to people there, and, and I'm, not, I'm not getting on you today. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong to have social media um, or to use it wisely. But I caution you about being friends with people that are angry, even on social media. I caution you about how much you allow to enter your mind on social media. How many times do you scroll by something and, and read something that, that really, man, that really bothers you? Is that good anger? Is that necessary anger? And we'll get to it in a minute, but see, the, the reality of it is we don't need to read statuses about people complaining and people being angry. Because oftentimes what I've found is it doesn't do much more than make you angry as well and make you frustrated as well. Is it righteous anger? Realize that your anger doesn't just affect you, but oftentimes it spreads and affects others. Jonah's anger 
affected the people of Nineveh. He wanted nothing to do with them. He wanted no mercy shown to them. It took him longer to get there than if he would have obeyed God immediately. The Daily Bread tells of a story in spring of 1894, the Baltimore Orioles came to Boston to play a routine baseball game. But what happened that day was anything but routine. The Orioles got into a fight with Boston. And within minutes, all the players from both teams had cleared the benches and joined in the brawl. It spread to the fans. And uh, someone decided to set fire in the stands because of this brawl. The entire ballpark burned to the ground. Not only did the ballpark burn, but so did 107 other buildings in Boston. Your anger doesn't just affect you, it affects others around you as well. But see, if you don't work through your anger, it continues to spread and it affects others. And we see that with Jonah. Now he moves on to what I would call his pity party, right? He, he, he has this conversation with God, kill me, and God's response to him is, is there any benefit to you being angry right now? Like, what's going on? So Jonah, he goes out of the city and he sits down at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Jonah's decision was to go and hopefully watch God's righteous justice come on the city of Nineveh. The 40 days weren't up yet. Jonah decides, I'm going to go up in the mountain, or I'm going to go up here, and I'm, I'm just going to go and sit, and I'm going to watch, and, and maybe, maybe God will do what I think is right. And the Lord appointed a plant that it might come over Jonah, that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. See, Jonah's not trusting God in this situation. He's focused on what he thinks is right, and that makes him angry. And God, in his ultimate creativity and wisdom, his masterful planning, decides to teach Jonah another loving lesson again. So a plant grows. And look at, look at the bottom of verse 6. Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Did you know Jonah could be happy? <laughs> I didn't know that because I've been reading through for chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jonah is happy. Why? Because it's something that benefits Jonah. I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm waiting for God's justice to come, and a plant grows. Oh, it's about time. You told me to go to this place that I hated. I got on a ship. I was thrown into the water. I almost died. I lived in a fish for three days. I talked to all these people that I hate. And now, finally, God's blessing me with a plan. Jonah was glad because it was something that benefited Jonah. But this wasn't the end of what God was trying to teach him. Verse 7, when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. Second time. And said, is it better for me to live, die, than to live? See, the plant is another demonstration of God's tremendous power. And we'll get to that here in a minute. 
It's another miracle in this story. God brings a plant. Then not long after, he brings a worm that eats the plant. Jonah's source of comfort, his gladness, which was found in his comfort, not in his God, his gladness is gone. Because his comfort's gone. And all of a sudden, Jonah's heart shines through again. See, with, with Jonah, this is, this is a heart thing. It's not a situational thing. When you have anger like this, it's not because of one situation. It's a heart thing. And we see that when his plant also goes away. He's angry because he didn't get what he wanted. And he's trapped in his anger. I recently read a story of a man in 2008. He was convicted of stealing over $20,000 of government grants while he served as a city council member in Texas. Because he had kidney cancer and he used a wheelchair, the district judge told him that he could choose between serving a month in prison or publicly apologizing for his actions. He chose to serve a, he chose to serve a prison sentence rather than to apologize. When we choose to harbor anger, or resentment towards others. Uh, I think sometimes we think that we're getting even. Sometimes we think that we're, we're doing the right thing or that we're, we're holding, holding what we should be holding on to. But the reality of it is, is you're making yourself a prisoner. A prisoner to anger. See, when Jonah left, when Jonah left the city of Nineveh, he never dealt with his anger. It's obvious it was still in his heart. And he goes up in the city hoping that maybe God will do what Jonah wants to do, not what God wants to do. Maybe, you know, it's those times where you think that you know better than God, right? This is one for Jonah. And then a plant comes and he's angry because of the plant. He's angry because of what God called him to. He's angry because the Ninevites turned to God. He's angry because God showed mercy to the Ninevites. He's angry because the plant, which was the only good thing to happen to him recently, died and now he's angry again. The angry prophet. In Galatians 5, we're told of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Does this sound like someone who lives in a place of selfish anger? Absolutely not. That's why I'm saying anger is a heart thing. It's something between you and God. Verse 9. God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. God says again, are, are, is, this, is this benefiting you at all? Yes, yes it is. I, I'm so angry, God. Take my life. I'm done with this. Actually, I'm so justified that I should die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. The Lord, who does not need to explain himself, does anyways. And he says, Jonah, you did nothing to this plant, yet you're so upset about it. Why? You cared so much about this plant. You, you, didn't, you didn't plant it. You didn't take care of it. You didn't watch it grow. You didn't wait for it to grow. It was there. And then it disappeared and you're angry again. How much do you think I should care about these people in Nineveh? Even though you hate them. There's 120,000 of them there. And there's a lot of animals. And if I, if I bring destruction upon them to satisfy your anger. Now, the, the history shows us the people of Nineveh were not a kind people. 
There was a lot of wickedness and horrible things that happened in the city of Nineveh. Yet Jonah's anger overcomes his desires to show mercy and it blinded him to what God was trying to do. Anger is a dangerous thing, brothers and sisters. It's a dangerous thing. As it doesn't only affect you, it spreads to others. Here in the story of Jonah, we, we learn much of, of Jonah's anger and his struggles. My encouragement to you is if you're someone who struggles with anger in your life, to bring that before God. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be worked through. But as I, as I look at the four chapters of Jonah, as I, as I look at all that we've, to summarize this series, one of the things that, that keeps coming to my mind is we don't always know why God calls us to certain things. We don't always know why God tells us certain things, why God leads us to certain things, why God puts certain things on our heart, why God shows mercy to people that you might not feel deserve mercy, while God seems to allow certain people to succeed even though they might be wicked and horrible. But God knows. The, the worship team is going to come up here in a minute. If you guys, you guys can come on up now. And uh, they're going to play a, a song, a, a special song, and then we'll, we'll sing our, our final song in closing together. Um, but as I look at the story of Jonah, it reminds me again and again that we don't always have to understand why God is doing what he's doing. Because the truth is, even when we think we do, even when we think we have it all figured out, we, we usually don't. Because there's so much, it's so much greater than what we could ever imagine. Maybe Jonah would never understand what God was trying to do because of the anger in his heart. But similarly to Jonah, we're called to things that we don't always understand. We don't know why God tells us to go here or to do this. Yet our response should not be to get on a boat and flee to Tarshish. Our response, and Tarshish is a long way. If you're going to take a boat ride to Tarshish, you must be pretty upset. But that should not be our response. Our response should not be to walk into the city of Nineveh with a bad attitude. Our response should not be to be angry because God decides to show mercy to someone that, man, I, just, I can't see it right now. Our response should be, God, I don't understand, but you do. And I'm cool with that. I'm good with that in my heart because I'm going to trust you. Farther along, we're going to understand it. Not now. And that's okay. So we're going to, we're going to have one more song as we close today. And uh, then we'll stand together and, and sing.